Hi, I'm Steve Barlow. This is the Humanized Workforce Future You podcast, where we talk about perceptions of the future, issues we need to be aware of, and their role in a rapidly changing work and life environment. Hi, I'm Craig Saffin. Day by day, we are all learning to live with the impact technology, AI, and changing health and social conditions have on our lives. The Humanized Workforce Future You podcast series thinks the future is bright and something to look forward to. So today on the the Humanized Workforce Future You, we're going to be talking about leadership. Now, the reason we're doing this is because, as you know, we've interviewed more than 50 people over that come from a diverse range of backgrounds. And in amongst those interviews that we've done with people, there have been several themes that have come through that are common that these people have proposed that what is necessary for a humanizing of the workforce and what is necessary for the positioning of a future person in a, in a career. And in the last few episodes, we've talked about optimism, which was a very common requirement of people positioning. And today we're moving into leadership models And the type of model that we want to propose today is the Agile Leader. And I want to hand over to Steve now, who's going to talk about some of the components and why we've selected an Agile Leadership model uh, as an apt leadership characteristic that allows for the formation of a humanised workforce and the better preparation of the future you. Steve. Yeah, okay, Craig. Thanks Thanks for that intro. Um, I think uh, an ag- the agile leadership model is really important because uh, you know we live in a world of constant change, uh, and sometimes it's very unexpected, and it can be very far-reaching, as we've we've seen in recent events over the last few years. And uh, we can't really do much about that; it's just the nature of reality. Uh, what we can do something about is ourselves, and uh, whilst we can't. We, we may not be able to uh, influence change. We can influence how agile we are and our ability to be agile in our responses to change so that instead of going under, instead of doing a bad job, we can actually uh, do a much better job. And uh, we've got some knowledge about this, uh, about how to do it. And I want to sort of raise six points that I think are critical and this is not so much about what leaders need to be doing. It's, it's more about what leaders need to be like, how they need to think. And as they develop these capacities in, the, in themselves, then they will be better role models for other people, for their, their teams to follow. That's the so, characteristics of these leaders that is important. Yeah, these are characteristics really of, of leaders of, uh, that makes them agile, that contribute okay. to them being agile. And I'll just run through the six points that I want to raise, but then we can come back and unpack them a little sure. bit more. First is they're, they're, they've got very strong values. They know what their values are. Secondly, they've got a confidence in their ability to make a difference. Mm. Uh, thirdly, they're insightful. They're, they're aware of what's going uh, on around them and they're open to that. Uh, fourthly, they're visionary. They can see the future and they're optimistic about where they're headed. Uh, fifthly, they're trusting and they're trustworthy. And lastly, they're balanced, uh, balanced in their 
in their views, balanced in in their interests, uh, and and we'll can, we can unpack that more. But balance is an important aspect of it. So those are the kind of six things that I think contribute to agile leadership. And uh, each one of those could be a podcast in itself, and you could write a whole book about each one, I guess, and people have have done. But we don't want to do that. We just want to make big ideas simple here. So <clears throat> let's start with the values. Um, what are values? Well, they're things that are important to us. What we value is something that is important. It's something that we're motivated to seek after. Uh, we're not motivated to seek after things that we don't care about, generally speaking. But if, if we do care about them, then we're motivated to engage ourselves in change and to try and improve things, try to solve problems. Um, so we all have values, but we're not necessarily all aware of what they are, or we maybe haven't done enough thinking about what they are. So it's really important for leaders to be very clear about what's important to them. Yeah. I mean, what are they in the game for? What are they trying to achieve? What, what do they want from their lives and from their contribution as a leader? What kind of difference are they seeking to make? These values that they have actually uh, play a big role in the type of culture they set in the organisation they're leading as well. I yeah, think. yeah, absolutely. They influence, the, the, they influence other people. Yeah. And, and this is where alignment is really important. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's a, it's a problem if, if your set of values as a leader are very different to the values of the organisation. Mm. You know, hopefully that doesn't happen so often, mm. but, but it can happen. And uh, then there's a, a, a misalignment. Uh, but, of course, values are not necessarily static. They change over time as we age and as we mature and things happen, maybe we're going to shift our values. Uh, we might want the same things, uh, you know, when we're young and when we're older. And the same thing can happen with an organisation. So I, I think it's super important for people to, to really sort of make an effort to think about what am I trying to do? What do I want to achieve? What's important to me? And then to be aware of what's important to the organisation and the people that I'm serving. And there's going to be differences there. There's going to be commonalities and there's going to be, there's going to be nuanced differences, and that's fine. Uh, but we need to be aware of if there's conflicts as well. And if there's conflicts, then those conflicts need to really be looked at and see if we can find some uh, some way of gaining an understanding about that. Sure. So, uh, so that's that's one point, uh, Craig. Um, the second point is, has got to do with the confidence in the ability to make a difference, mm. and this fits in pretty well with our talk that we've done about optimism, because um, you know if 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 we're optimistic, then we've got this sense that we can make a difference, that we can influence the future, we can affect how things are going to turn out. Right. And, uh, you know, otherwise there's not a real lot of ground for op optimism. Otherwise you're just 
you know, on a boat in a river and you can't, you can't steer anything. But, but if you feel confident in your ability to make a difference and affect how things turn out, then you've got a ground for optimism right there. Um, but that's authentic, isn't it? You need something, you need a reason to be confident and something behind it, not just to, that you're a happy, happy sort of go lucky person, right? Exactly, exactly. So, so that means you need to be aware of what do you bring to the table? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the quality and the substance. You know, what, what are the qualities that I bring to the table? And, and to, be, to be realistic about that, mm. you know, we can be unduly humble and, and, and sort of uh, minimise what we bring to the table and, uh, or we could be unrealistically proud of ourselves and, and, and overestimate our ability. Yeah. Uh, and, and this is a sort of a thing, you know, it's got a, it's got a name. Um, hubris, I think. Yeah, well, hubris is a term that we use. Um, there, there, the Kruger something effect, it's called. Uh, I can't uh, remember the exact name, but it's okay. it, it sort of uh, basically says that the people who have, who have got a lot of uh, ability and capacity in something are oftentimes under state they're you know they underplay themselves and the people who don't know so much overplay themselves or overstate themselves so we've got to be kind of wary of of that um but we do bring uh we do bring uh certain qualities and we need to be realistic about it but this is how we make a difference um and i guess we also could think about what kind of a difference do we want to make what kind of a difference are we able to make mm. and to be realistic about what is achievable mm. uh, and what is not achievable is, is, is largely based on we don't know, we don't have the knowledge right now that we need to do it. It mm. doesn't mean that it can't be done. It just means that we haven't grown enough yet in our knowledge and our capacity to be able to achieve it. But, yeah, but you possess that uh, problem-solving capability, like uh, I think in the optimism parts we were talking about that adventurous spirit and having that capacity mm. to solve problems. Is what is that what you're talking about? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm a big fan of the sort of uh, space stuff and, uh, uh, you know, you think about um, President Kennedy in 1962 or whenever it was that he, he sort of said we're going to go to the moon. Mm. Well, that wasn't within the bounds of capacity, nobody knew how to do that in 1962. Mm. Uh, and he knew that, you know, he, he talked about all, all of these things that will need to be developed. Mm. But when you set yourself a goal for that mm. and you say, okay, I don't know how to do it, but I believe in my capacity to learn. Mm. I believe it's, it's possible to do and, and, and somebody could work out how to do it. It's just a matter of we don't have the knowledge yet. We don't have the technology yet. We don't have the insight yet. Mm. But that's how we learn and how we grow. Mm. And uh, we, we gain it. We, we, we acquire it or we create it. So, uh, you know, this is, these are all the, the reasons why we could be optimistic and we, why we can feel confident that we can make a difference. You know, it's, it's interesting what you just said about that. Uh, that that uh, the Kennedy uh, example, I think, is a very uh, interesting thing for me. I've I've thought about that a lot lately because it's very hard to find leaders with that capability who who set that goal, that that tangible goal out, and then say, right, let's work together 
to work out how we're going to do it. I don't have all the pieces in place, but let's work it out the way to do it. Mm. And I think that that, I think from a global perspective, there's not many leaders around at the moment uh, for me who are setting that. Maybe Elon Musk is one of them, um, but I don't, I don't see many that are doing that. And I think that that's one of the things that's holding, holding us back in some ways. There are a lot of tech startups and so on that are going and, and redefining and causing huge pivots in the way we run our lives. But, mm. but um, I think there could be a lot more at the ground where leaders are showing that side of confidence and that ability to put that vision together. Mm. Well, I guess it speaks of a big agenda. Mm. You know, I mean, Elon Musk has got the the desire to make humans an interplanetary species because, <laughs> well, you know, I mean, he's got his reasons. He, yeah, well, yeah, if you get hit by an asteroid, then the game's over, yeah, sure. potentially. Or we might be back to the pre-Cambrian era. Yeah. You know, so um, and and uh, well, you know, President Kennedy, I suppose it was, you know, showing showing the supremacy of the rush of the Americans over the Russians at the time. Yeah. But <clears throat> um, it's it's in these big stretches, you know, we can all have small goals and mm -hmm. we might feel confident that we can because they're they're playing within our capacity of what we can already do or maybe just a little bit further than what we can already do. Mm. But agility is about stretching. It's about being able to be agile enough to stretch and reach out further than that. But to, but to be flexible as you go, right? Not to just be, be flexible rigid, as you go. Pathway, yeah. You can't be rigid because, mm. because you've got to learn. Sure. I mean, you're venturing into new territory. You don't know how to do it yet. And you, Yeah, right. You don't know all the bits in the puzzle. You just uh, sort of... <laughs> if you're rigid, you're never going to... Exactly. You're never going to be able to learn what you need to learn because you've got to let go of stuff and sure. you've got to experiment and try new things. Sure. And, uh, you know, there, there's going to be a lot of failure in that because, uh, because you don't know what you're doing. Yeah. You've got to work it out. But this is how humans make progress. Mm -hmm. They make progress by trial and error. They come mm -hmm. up with an idea. They say, maybe this will work. Let's try it out. It doesn't work. Okay, so we haven't failed really. We've just discovered a way it doesn't work. I think Thomas Edison said that. Mm. And 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 then we can put that one aside, or maybe there's bits of it that we can resurrect, and then we can have another go. Mm. And but we need that confidence to say this is the process. This is the scientific method. Actually, this is how we make progress. Mm. And and uh, and be brave enough to just to do it. Now, of mm -hmm. course, we, we also need the resources available to us. Right. And so that's where, you know, the, the whole organisation needs to be flexible in its attitude, really, to sort of say, well, this is worth investing in. Yeah. Um, if, you're, if you're overly protective and just want to do what you've always done, then uh, you're not going to venture into that area. And people have called that, you know, the innovation paradox, um, that if you want to play it safe, you might end up being worse off because uh -huh. you're not going to be flexible enough to go with the, the, you know, stay at the front of the game. So well, that's the confidence bit. Um, <laughs> the third thing is about being insightful, uh, which is really about being realistic and having your eyes open and looking at where you're at right now. 
<clears throat> insight, insight and vision, which is the next one, have both got something to do with seeing. Mm. But insight is about seeing into, mm. into what's going on right here, right now. It's, it's the environment that you're in in the present time. Vision is about a future environment, something you want to create mm. and a direction that you want to go, a vector. But, uh, but insight is what am, I, what am I working with right here, right now? So there's no good being blinkered in my view or sort of having a kind of a model of reality that's not really reflective of the truth. Mm. You know, we, we need to be open to the truth, whether we like it or whether we hate it. It is what it is. Whatever it is, is whatever it is. And <clears throat> rather than have rose-coloured glasses and sort of seeing it better than what it really is, just say, well, it is what it is. That's what <laughs> we're working from. But his insight is uh, also about the interrelationships between uh, surrounding systems, like because uh, sometimes you get an expert who's focused just on one area, but sure. an expert with insight would be able to link those, the, the area that, he, that she is, he or she is an expert in and uh, be able to see how they can all fit together or how they could work with other systems and so on. Right, so. right. Right. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's aware of those complexities and those interdependencies and interactions. Yeah. And it's also aware of what are the strengths that we've got? What are the resources that we've got to work with? Uh, being realistic about that. Mm. And that's where it's important for leaders to know the resources, the human resources available, as well as financial resources and cultural resources and other sorts of resources. But what can we draw upon? If we want to get to where we're going, if we want to be an interplanetary species, let's say, right, yeah. you know, what are the resources we need to make it happen? Yeah, so it's part of that you need to understand the risks. And when, every time I get involved on a couple of boards and things like that and you get to talk about the risks and so on for the organisation, but, but every time you have a discussion about risks, the fascination for me is how it links back to strategy. So your strategy or how aggressive, like you're talking about interplanetary species development and stuff like that, like in the Musk thing. So yes. understanding the risks associated with that. If that's your strategy, then you need to understand the risk associated. If you want a more conservative strategy, then your risk um, goes down. So risks and strategy, I think, are always very tightly linked. Mm. And, um, and having the insight to be able to juggle those two in line with what you've already talked about, the values and the confidence, um, I think is very important. Mm. So, uh, so it's 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 about being aware of those things, but also the challenges. What are the what are the opportunities? What are the challenges that we face? The risks, as you're talking about, um, and uh, to a large measure here, we're talking about perceptions of reality. You know, when we talk about having your eyes open and be realistic, mm. I mean, reality is a very tough beast to pin down. Mm. Um, different people see reality in different ways, but we do have instruments that we can use that will give us insights, like a big data can be one of those uh, instruments that can give us insight. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but there are other things that we can use as well that will allow us to make sure that our perceptions are kind of matched with reality because it's easy to fool ourselves. Sure. It's easy to be wrong. Um, 
So that's that's the insight piece, and and the vision uh, is the is the other future looking piece. It's looking from where we are right now to where we want to where we want to go, where we want to okay. be. And I mean, this this is going to tie into our values because yeah. obviously, if we if we don't value something, we're not likely to want to get there. Yeah. I think I'd like to look into the vision, Pete. I think we got you've got three points that you've not covered yet: the vision and the trusting piece and the balanced piece. I think I'd like to cover those in the next session. What do you think? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we we can unpack that in the next session. Yeah. Um, I think today's been interesting in that we've we've uh, we've moved on from the fascinating topic of optimism and why that's important for humanizing a workforce um, and the problem solving around that to looking at the, uh, the leadership model, what's required in a leadership. And then I think the, 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 the six points you outlined were values and the confidence, the insightfulness, visionary, trust, trusting and trustworthy and balanced. Mm-hmm. And I think today we've covered in a little bit of detail about the values and the confidence and the insightfulness. I think it's been... Uh, quite interesting to to look at those aspects of what you term an agile leader and uh, and a leader that's important for uh, humanizing a workforce. I think next time, let's look at the visionary piece in more detail and the trusting and the trustworthy piece and the balanced. What do you say? Okay, sounds great. Yeah, it's been very fa- fascinating. Thanks, Steve. Thanks. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Humanized Workforce Future You. Please leave a rating or review for the series on the medium where you source your podcasts. The transcripts for today's podcast can be found on craigsaffin.com. That's C-R-A-I-G-S-A-P-H-I-N.com. Please subscribe to the series so you don't miss out on the interviews or the future podcasts.